0: Hey everybody, welcome to the sixth episode of the Ask Dr. G show. This is the show where you ask the questions and I answer them. I'm so excited about what we have for this show um, today. I'm not going to lie to you though. I struggled with what I was going to kind of make the theme of this, this episode. There were a lot of questions sent in, almost 12 and there started to be a theme with some of the questions so I threw out some of the other ones I'll use them for later weeks but um we have a theme okay yesterday was Halloween and um, a lot of kids are going to be you know going out trick-or-treating even tonight for more candy just go you know go get candy it's kind of a a a cultural thing uh, nowadays that is widely acceptable I always I always joke because no other day in the entire year would parents allow their kids to go up to a stranger's house and ask for candy. <laughs> but we make the exception, especially strangers that are dressed up with masks and hoods and uh, scary outfits. Like, But we make that so normal. It's funny how culture uh, changes and, and, and shifts on certain things. Um, I guess the the one thing my parents always taught me is don't get in a car with a stranger and don't take candy from a stranger. Well, now we have Uber, and we, we, we get in strangers' cars all the time, and we take candy from people all the time. So it's just, it's funny how cultures change, and I think it's a good thing that we're, we community, we're, we meet more people, but um, I have a problem with Halloween, okay? And no, not from a, a Christian and devil worship perspective. I have a problem with Halloween because of what it normalizes in society. What it normalizes is the amount of candy that young people get. Okay. The majority of people, I think it's like 90% of people that celebrate and actually go door to door with Halloween for Halloween are from the ages of 4 to 16. Okay. So really, really young uh, kids are going out, asking for candy, getting a ton of candy, and then eating it. I mean, that's, that's the holiday, right? You just go out and get candy and, you know, have this stash of candy under your bed for the next, you know, three months. And, and we treat it as normal. But there's some things that I, I want parents to be aware of that are super important for the health of your child. Sugar is an addictive chemical. Um, There's no denying that, there's no getting away from that. Everyone knows that, but that's not the problem, okay? Adults are addicted to sugar, so it's not just a kid problem. The part that is the problem with kids eating that amount of sugar is kids from the ages of zero to 16 are building or forming cells in their body. Well, they're growing, they're constantly growing. The one cell that is determined by the age of 16 is your fat cells. Okay, once your fat cells have grown in number to the age of 16, after 16, you don't grow any more number of cells, you they just swell in size, swell and shrink, swell and shrink, swell and shrink. So, the large portion of them are being formed in this age bracket that these kids are eating all this candy. Well, high amounts of glucose, high amounts of sugar that is not used, okay? So, when you eat a lot of candy right before bed, your body's not burning that up. Kids have a very high metabolism and that's why they can get away with eating these sugars and not put on a ton of weight. If I ate a couple Snickers bars, I'd look like Oompa Loompa, you know? But these kids have very high metabolism because their body are moving all over the place. The one time that they're not is when they're sleeping. And they go out on Halloween night, get the candy, shove a bunch of candy in their mouth, and then try to go to sleep. And that's a losing battle. <laughs> um, and, and the problem is all those excess sugars get transferred into fat cells, okay, adipocytes. And they're increasing in number, increasing in number, increasing in number, um, so that by the time they're 16 they've got you know however many number they're never going to lose that number whether they lose weight or you know you know try to try to exercise and be healthy the number of fat cells is determined okay so that kid that is eating candy all the time okay every night before bed he gets a mid, he gets a snack a cookie a piece of cake whatever you're setting that child up for failure because now he's got these large number of fat cells that he'll never get rid of. Okay, it's not, it, it's, it, it's just as bad if a 22 year old was eating candy at night, but that's just gonna increase the size of the fat cells. What, what we can control in our kids' lives is, are they gonna be set up for success when they're older, or are they always going to struggle with their weight, okay, if they're building bad habits for their body right now, by eating all this candy right before bed, creating more fat cells, it's going to be hard to lose weight, and that's why a lot of people, when they get to be 22, and they're, you know, obese, or overweight, and they're like, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight, so they lose it, they starve themselves, (laughs) they go on the ketogenic diet, they try to do all these, it's very easy for them to re-put back on the weight, and and it's almost like nothing ever happened, and it's because of this predetermination of the number of fat cells um, based on the amount of uh, sugar that they ate as a kid. Now there's other factors as well. There's genetic factors, um, but we can control this in our in our kids. Kids don't know any better, okay? When you when you just say whatever, go ahead and eat that piece of cake before bed. Eat that cookie. They're just thinking this tastes good. They don't know the implications. Okay. But I'm trying to educate parents on, listen, I had a a professor in, in chiropractic school went so far as to call it child abuse. You know, when you are allowing that child that has no idea what the implications are for eating that candy and cookies and sugars before bed are... you've got to educate them you got to take it away because of course they're going to want it of course that's what they're going to eat and you and i understand you want your your child to eat and not starve but uh, you don't want to take it to that that far extreme so we need to do a better job because we're starting to see obesity in like four-year-olds and five-year-olds and it's like where's this coming from like it's because of these high sugary diets that kids are exposed to at such a young age, their bodies freak out um, and it leads to really severe problems later on. I, and I'm gonna get into it um, after, or I, I can't remember which, which question I'm gonna, I'm gonna do next, but one of the later questions talks about this and the implications for your health as a man um, long-term, okay? So these high sugary diets, trick-or-treating, yeah, it's great but it might be killing our kids, okay? These sugars are are not setting these kids up for success, and the sugar in and of itself is not a bad chemical. I don't wanna, you know, demonize it because it, it can be very useful, okay? And when I say sugars, I don't mean fructose, I don't mean the healthy natural sugars. I mean these processed sugars that are placed in these foods. Those are the things that are are slowly destroying the the health of all americans um i was talking with a patient today and he's like well it isn't even just that it's the candies he's like look at ketchup look at some of the drinks look at you know all these things and he's right you know like you wouldn't think that when you're squeezing ketchup for your fries and you really love ketchup how much sugar go go take a look at how much sugars are in ketchup it's ketchup. How how could there be sugar in ketchup? But you'd be surprised. Um, I just want to like, I guess expose this research that comes out. You know about you know childhood obesity rates and you know the number of fat cells that are determined in the child's life. Uh, a huge portion of them are determined by the age of four. Okay, so if you're not careful before the age of four. They're really going to struggle. If you're really not careful before the age of 16, they're going to struggle for the rest of their life, and that's just a fact um, with their weight, um, and that leads to many other syndromes, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, uh, you know, so many things that you know, high blood pressure, so many lifestyle diseases that are so common in in our society, and we could take a big chunk out of those lifestyle diseases if we were focused on the health of our children from the ages of, you know, when they're born to the age of 16. It's a huge factor. And I, I would really, really, really encourage you guys to go just Google it. Just Google, you know, high glucose in children, pre-diabetes obesity rates, all those things. Just just go educate yourself on this so that you can you know make a policy for your kids and what you're gonna you know allow for, for them to be able to eat per day. Um, I think that would go a long way. Um, but that's the first topic. Um, it wasn't necessarily a question, but it was something that was coming up a lot in my patient exam rooms because everyone's talking about Halloween, talking about trick-or-treating, they ask me if I do. It. and so like I just I felt like that needed to be said. The next one the next topic that we're going to talk about is uh, the direct correlation downstream um, for for sugar and glucose levels and one specific implication when sugars and you have high glucose in the bloodstream, what does it alter? okay? When glucose is very high and when insulin is very high in response to that glucose or that meal, testosterone is dropped okay they have an inverse relationship when you are well-fed okay testosterone drops when you are starving testosterone shoots through the roof okay a lot of research (laughs) just type in correlation between you know sugars and testosterone or diabetes or insulin and and testosterone and you're going to get a litany of different things that is a really interesting read I mean, some of the intermittent fasting experts will use the research that says, you know, well, intermittent fasting, you know, increases your luteinizing hormone by 67%, and that translates into 180% increase in your testosterone. So, if you want to increase testosterone, you know, intermittent fast. And they are right. Um, When, (laughs) when our ancestors, and I'm not going to get into the evolution of the brain because that starts to get very slippery. Uh, Because a lot of people don't know when you say evolution, do you mean like evolution, evolution? Or do you mean like just how our brains um, were created and evolved over time? Um, Back in the early days, okay, so like I'm saying Adam and Eve time period. When they became carnivores and they had to hunt for food, most of the time or the the way the brain evolved was when they're hungry, testosterone shot up. why? Because they needed to be able to track down the animal that they were you know trying to hunt so that they could eat okay their body went into a very uh high performance mode when they were starving or when I say starving, I don't mean like they're about to die because, the body does shut down when it's prolonged starving, but like one, two, three days worth of no food, the body becomes very sharp, very focused. And if you've ever intermittent fasted, you know exactly this feeling. When you intermittent fast, your things become more sharp. The body moves freely. The body is, is very capable of very precise movements, very strong movements. Um, and it's very effective at doing a lot of things. Um, I intermittent fast occasionally. Um, you can't do things for the rest of your life because your body will just get used to it and then you'll just plateau. So I alternate it, you know, every couple months. But when I do, when I am intermittent fasting, it's a wonderful thing because my energy levels are high. My mind is sharp. Um, I feel strong when I work out. My body feels good. And that is a direct correlation to the increase in the testosterone in my body. I like when more testosterone in my body. Okay, you know, guys that are over 50 where the testosterone naturally kind of comes down just a bit, um, their energy goes away, their sexual drive goes away, um, their ability to sleep well and just feel rested goes away. Um, That's all directly correlated to the amount of testosterone. That's why there's low T-centers everywhere, male enhancement centers, all all those things, Um, because naturally as we age, that testosterone starts to... uh, to diminish a little bit, okay? Well, as it would have, the research is showing a extreme correlation between high testosterone and low insulin or low glucose and vice versa, so high glucose and low testosterone. So, (laughs) how this all ties in to the first topic about the kids eating a bunch of candy. Prediabetes and childhood diabetes type two is becoming very, very common because of all the sugars that are being consumed. Okay. So, as you age, that turns into those insulin dependent diabetes. Well, insulin and glucose is raining free cuz the insulin can't you know, get it into the blood or can't get it into the cells. There's insulin resistance. Okay? Well, when there's that increase in you know, blood glucose, the testosterone drops, okay, the body feels fed, you know, when, when our ancestors, when they caught that, you know, rhinoceros or whatever, you know, and they ate, their body just kind of relaxed, they didn't have to be in fight or flight mode, they didn't have to be, you know, all, you know, hyper focused, hyper sharp, so the testosterone naturally came down, okay, well, that's what happened, when we're constantly fed, when we're indulging in all these foods and we have three meals a day or snacks in between and, you know, all these things, your body doesn't need to fight for food anymore. So why would this the testosterone be high? You know, a lot of people don't understand the intricacies of why, how, how testosterone is released. The testosterone is, is released uh, from parts in the brain. Okay, so there's implications that you know the way that our brain operates is the way that our bodies feel. So, you know, gonadotropin-releasing hormone out of the hypothalamus is released and triggers the anterior pituitary. Okay, that releases luteinizing hormone. I'm getting into the weeds on this, but basically, <laughs> luteinizing hormone is releasing it and it affects you know, the release of testosterone into the body. So our brain is influencing our testosterone levels. And if our brain feels, I'm good, you know, don't need anything, you know, there's no stress, there's no cause for it to want to release more testosterone. So you're seeing a lot of gentlemen, 30s, 40s, 50s plus, that have low energy, low self-esteem, low sex drive, um, inability to really rest, um, low muscle tone, and it's all correlating to these high sugar diets that we're consuming at such a young age. We've got to do a better job at setting these children up for success cuz now those kids are turning into adults and they're struggling with other problems down line that all we all we do, you know, for guys with low T is just pump more synthetic testosterone into their body when the real problem is the sugars and the fact that they're insulin dependent that is influencing their testosterone levels. So a lot of guys, um, you know, really be careful about uh, your your glucose levels. Um, If you have low testosterone, check your glucose levels. Um, Go get a blood test from, from your primary care doctor or your internal medicine and get those checked out. Um, talking about sugary drinks, and I'm drinking a, a buy here, um, one sugar, but 10 grams of erythritol, so that's super healthy. <laughs> um, but all that being said, um, be very careful with what becomes common in your diet. Cheat meals are not a bad thing. Okay, I, I, I said about this in, in in a previous podcast. Cheat meals. There's, there's no research to suggest that a cheat meal derails your diet. Now, cheat habits, where you're eating three or four meals a week that are super unhealthy, yeah, you better believe there's an impact. So, But cheat meals, uh, it's not bad. Um, and I think a lot of times parents excuse Halloween because we'll just say it's just a, uh, it's just a cheat meal. But unfortunately, those kids have that candy stashed under their bed for the next three months which creates just constant sugar highs, um, and insulin spikes. And like I said, the, the downrange effects of that is, um, is pretty bad. Well, getting off of that topic, um, (laughs) something that happened yesterday, um, that (laughs) caught my attention. And even though I, I I'm trained in medicine, even though I'm trained to do what I do, I it's very rare that I ever take a medication. Very, very rare. Um, a couple days ago, my wife came down with a kind of like a sinus infection, sniffling, you know, all those things. and obviously I, I still kiss her, you know. <laughs> um, and I started to feel a little bit of a, you know, something coming on. Well my nose started sniffling, and um, I was like, man, I'm, I'm not feeling too good." And I had a meeting. With a with an urgent care here in town, and I wanted to, to to not be you know sniffing all over the place, feeling like junk. And I looked in the in our cabinet where all of our supplements and vitamins and you know some of my wife's medications are, and um, there's some Sudafed. <laughs> you, some of you guys probably already know where this story is going. And I was like, okay, I know what Sudafed does. You know, it dries up the nasal mucosa. It's probably going to give me a crazy energy boost. <laughs> Um, so I took one and you know, got in my car, drove, got to the urgent care and was gonna go to lunch with, with the doctor. I started feeling like the entire world was spinning completely out of control. Um, I was sitting in my car waiting. I, I told them I'd be there at 12:15 and I got there about 12:12. So I had three minutes where my head was like I felt like I could smell colors it was the weirdest experience in my life and i look in the in the mirror and my pupils are super dilated i'm like i look like i'm on you know cocaine right now um it was bad and i have to go in there and and have a rational conversation and, and appear intelligent to this doctor and his wife and i tell you what for about six hours i felt very very strange um no, that didn't affect any of my clinical judgment. That didn't affect any of that. But my energy was through the roof. I literally ran around um, this medical plaza like four times. In between patient visits, I couldn't sit still. I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, what is going on? I I haven't taken a Sudafed. I don't think ever. Honestly, I don't think I've ever, like my parent, my mom, I don't think ever gave me a Sudafed. Um, so... The effects of that were so extreme and so like, whoa, what is going on? That I just had to get it out of my system. So I'm running up and down here in my dress clothes and it's raining. And I, it was just a very odd experience. But it reinforced in my mind the side effects that come with the medications that we're taking. So many resources are out there for you if you're taking a medication you should understand the side effects you really really should it shouldn't be something that you're just like well i feel a little loopy or feel a little drowsy or you know my mouth gets super dry or you know i you know i start to get paranoid whatever the side effects are you need to be aware of the medications that you're taking and how they interact in the body especially if you're taking you know multiple drugs those chemicals interact with each other and then they influence your body. And so like you want to know how they're influencing your body. Um, so many people are on like three, four five medications. Some, I mean, I've had some people say they take 18 medications a day. Now they were older and you know, they excuse it away, but like 18 medications, you can't tell me none of those are interacting and influencing each other and causing other crazy side effects. A lot of times the, the pills that they're taking are for the side effects from the first medication. So um, it just reinforced in my mind that we need to be very careful when we jump to, to drugs for treating symptoms. It's, it's not a good strategy long term to medicate symptoms. You need to get to the cause of why that issue exists why does your high blood pressure there why do you have high cholesterol why do you have low testosterone instead of just acknowledging like well i've got low testosterone all right let's pump you full of testosterone you know like let's here here you go why did it do that a lot of times we don't ask that question in medicine a lot of times we don't ask we just like to identify the problem and say all right let's cover up that symptoms and I'm guilty of it too in my practice there's some patients that when I first started treating them I didn't ask that why do they have headaches I just said they have headaches I'm feeling some irritation here at C1 different parts in their spine I'll adjust it but why is that there do they have a desk job um, were they dropped on their head as a child? <laughs> what is it? Why is it there so that we can alter the influencing factor? That's the part of medicine that goes unnoticed, but the doctors that are able to to pinpoint it get really, really good results. So like in our low testosterone example earlier with the guys with the high, gl- high blood sugar, you know, probably the cause of that l- low testosterone is the amount of snickers and and sodas that you've been you know consuming and if we take that out maybe your testosterone in your body will start to function normally and your body can you know go back to to normal function um but we don't ask that question we the easy road in medicine is to cover up symptoms and i'm not going to get on a shtick or on this like soapbox where we just talk badly about medications because there's some medications out there that are some of the most amazing advancements in in history some of these medications that are keeping people alive are absolutely necessary however certain lifestyle medications need to be rethought out their approach if something can be undone with diet and exercise we should do everything we can to get that person off that medication, like give them strategies with diet and exercise or some other lifestyle change that while they're taking that medication, we can monitor their levels so that once they get to their normal range or the normal range, they don't need the medication anymore at that point because the diet and exercise, they've gotten their body healthy again. Like I always I always pick on high blood pressure um, because it's so silly um, to think that there's a universal range for every human being on this planet is crazy like my blood pressure as a 6'6 you know 225 pound guy is going to be vastly different than my wife who's 5'9", 120 pounds but on the medical scale it's going to be you know better 120 over you know you know if you don't have those numbers then you're abnormal and if you if you do then they're like all right good you're healthy well that may not be healthy for me that may be out of my normal or that may be out of her normal but we have these random ranges and i understand that it's you know across the entire population what's the average and they have to have that systematic you know level but we've got to ask that question as to you know is this actually normal for, for someone big like me to have a little bit higher blood pressure? Maybe, you never know. And, and we need to address the cause of the, of that high blood pressure, get that person exercising, get that person doing all the proper techniques to lower blood pressure. There's a lot of natural techniques that lower blood pressure very, very effectively. And someone that's on blood pressure medication for 30 years um, hasn't addressed any of those. you know Now I get it. There's a lot of patients that don't want to change their lifestyle. They just don't want to change. so given the medication, but it should be a priority in our society to get people off of medications, not get more people on, okay Though the drug companies, and Big Pharma, as everyone likes to call it, would love everybody to be on a medication or two. Um, we should fight to to be on less. You know, I think we all agree that when you open up the medicine cabinet, if there's less drugs and medications in there, that means you're healthier. More drugs, more medications means we are less healthy. I hope everyone agrees with that. Um, you know, If you don't have to take any medications, you know, it's almost like a badge of honor when you're 60. Like my, I remember my grandparents when they were 60s, almost 70, they'd always brag, not brag, but they would be very proud of the fact that I don't take any medications. I take a, a B12 and a vitamin D3 and a calcium, you know, and that's all I take, you know, it's like, that's awesome. But we're, uh, we're losing control of the amount of medications that are being taken by 20, 30, 40 year olds. Um, and we need to do a better job at educating people on how to undo some of the damage that they've either eaten, drank, or lifestyled their way into. Um, if you can eat your way into some type of a condition and you catch it early enough, you can eat your way back out, okay? However, you do something long enough, it's gonna become irreversible. And, uh, and I'd love to be able to catch people before it gets to that point. But that that's kind of a a long story to basically explain my uh, my drug experience with Sudafed, um, which I will never be taking again. Um, Yesterday, it was one of the most it was the craziest experience I've had in a long time. Um, There's a lot of people that take that to to get through the day. There's a whole thing about uh, Donald Trump and how he uh, and a lot of people think he takes Sudafed every day which I think is funny. Um, There's a picture and one of his drawers was open and there's a couple boxes of Sudafed in there. And he has such crazy energy. And so after taking it yesterday, I can see why people think Donald Trump takes Sudafed every single day. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) But uh, all right, moving on. Um, This was a research. I'm not going to talk too deeply about this, but this was a research article when I was typing in you know sugars and kids that really concerned me um, the research said high sugar drinks that are drank by mothers pregnant and postpartum reduces the cognition of the child when they did certain tests. so moms that drink really really sugary drinks whether it's sugar free you know caffeine free whatever, high fructose corn syrup with all that sugar um affected the cognition of the child so they scored less on some cognitive test and it was it showed that the, the mothers that didn't have those drinks their children did better might be something to look into I'll, I'll try to attach the the link um to the article so that you guys can see that. But I thought that was interesting. That was uh, It caught my eye because, you know, we know that what the mom takes directly affects the child, um, whether it's through the, you know, umbilical cord or through breastfeeding. breastfeeding um, mothers have to be very careful. Um, and I had no idea that there's some research starting to come out about the effects on cognition or intelligence of that child, which I think a lot of people care about. So, I'm passing that along. Um, Check it out. The last uh, thing that we're going to get into as far as questions. um, I had a patient ask me about, you know, muscle strength and low back pain. And he said, you know, I just feel like my back is weak. Um, We adjust it, it feels great, but my back feels weak. And we're working on strengthening up his his lumbar erectors. We're working on his multifidus and all those things. But he's like, what is out there? Why? What is the relationship between pain and the strength in the low back? Because he's like, I'm I'm sure it's correlated, but is there any research? So this is in response to you, Josh. Um, It's called the Pearson correlation. I had to freshen up on this. I learned it in school um, and I knew it was out there, but I had to go Google this and um, refresh my, my mind on that. But the Pearson correlation states that when you have low back pain, okay, any low back pain, nondescript, non traumatic low back pain, it reduces the strength in your hip extensors, okay, so your glutes um, and others. Uh, Reduces the strength in your glutes and it increases tightness in your back extensors. So the lumbar erectors, multifidus, all those things. And the Pearson correlation states that those things are directly correlated where, you know, any type of low back issue. If you don't re-strengthen the glutes, the hip extensors, and you don't stretch the back extensors... That low back issue is going to turn into a chronic issue. In previous videos, I talked about multifidus and how it's the the key to rehabbing the lumbar spine. Well, this Pearson correlation is also super super important to go hand in hand with rehabbing multifidus. Um, if if you sit all day, okay, your glutes are shut off. You're just they're not. Your hips actually in in a flex state so they're shut off they're not they're not firing at all and if you're sitting multiple hours a day your glutes get used to it that's why when you stand up you gotta kind of undo because you're stuck in this flex state well that starts to cause a lot of low back pain and it becomes this snowball effect of when you get the low back pain you get the you know, the injury there, the disc injury there, then you got the sciatica, then you got the weakness, then you got, you know, and it becomes this big, big, big problem. But it all started with you sitting all day, your glutes get weak, your back gets tight, you get all these other issues. So um, something that I I told Josh was we've got to really strengthen um, these different areas, uh, these different muscles for you to be able to prevent um, a lot of the low back symptomatology, um, but there you go. It's called the Pearson correlation, and it's the correlation between the strength and the tautness or tenderness of the uh, the low back, the hip extensors, and it's direct, directly correlated to to low back pain. Um, so that was the last question. Um, the The last thing I wanted to talk about today is is kind of revolving around prototype health and our office. Um, we have a huge event tomorrow. Um, and if you're listening to this on Saturday, you're probably missing it. Um, it's from 10 o'clock to two o'clock and I'm trying to get as many people out here as possible. Um, family, friends, I don't care who, um, because a lot of people don't even know prototype health exists. A lot of people, you know, I have no idea what we're doing here, what we're trying to fix, what we're trying to improve in healthcare, And a fun way to increase exposure is the block party that we're having. There's going to be live music, food trucks, popcorn, games. Our booth is the mechanical bull. So if you want to get on it, look for the mechanical bull. Um, it's going to be a good time. Um, and that's a way for, for, for people to come and, and meet us and, and see that we're normal people. Um, I think a lot of people have a stigmatism about chiropractors, and they think we're these, you know, kind of weirdos. And we are; <laughs> we're a little crazy. Um, but it's a good way for us to reach out in the community and just have a good time, um, and watch people smile, watch people laugh. Um, it'll be a really, really good, uh, fun time for a lot of people to come out and and see us, see the internal medicine, the two dentist offices, the uh, podiatrist clinic that's in here, and then the urgent care. So many people are gonna be there. Um, We're shooting for about 250 people that are gonna be there. I'd love to see you guys there. Um, So if you wanna bring your friends and family, it's 434 North Trade Street, Matthews, North Carolina, 28105, Um, and we'll be here from 10 to 2. Um, I'd love to meet you guys, I'd love to see you guys. If if you're a friend or family or you're an existing patient, you guys are invited too. Um, But it'll be be a good time. we're we're gonna try to uh, put a lot of smiles on people's faces um, and just have a good time here in Matthews Um, the other thing that our office is starting to get into um, to help increase exposure for the uh, for the office is starting to do health fairs for for companies Um, try to be a resource to to companies uh, for their employees and you know doing these podcasts doing weekly videos doing newsletters all those things you know it's a lot of work for me but it creates a lot of value for for employees and we're going to start getting into that so if you uh if you work for somebody um with a lot of employees or you think it'd be a good fit for your business um you know reach out to us you know we we'd love to give you guys free resources that will help your employees live a pain-free life. Um, that's my job. Um, help as many people live pain-free without pain meds or surgery. Um, it's my overarching theme of my life. That's my goal. And I'd love to be able to help each of y'all's businesses you know, reach that level with each of your employees. So we're also going to start rolling that out here pretty soon. I'm excited about it. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> um, but we've... We want to increase the outreach of Prototype Health. We want to help as many people as possible. Um, And we believe that we're the number one resource here in the Charlotte area. So the way that we do that is help people, you know, live pain-free at the workplace so that they don't ever have to come see us or they don't ever have to go to the the ER, or the urgent care. Um, That's where we are planning to reach people is at their place of business and do kind of like those workplace wellness type things that you know most companies have where they you know try to get people to stop smoking or lose weight or lower their blood pressure scores we want people not to have to use advil <laughs> we don't want people to use acetaminophen we want people to be able to go through their entire work day without any pain it's it's the same type of markers but no one's doing it for 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 companies um, and those are really some of the most important things so You know, we're doing a lot of things behind the scenes here at Prototype Health that have been very, very effective, and we're excited about the future. Um, We have a lot of patients that we're helping, um, getting a lot of great results. Um, Discharged another patient today that 100% better. You know, like, it's so good to see, you know, happy faces and satisfied patients that came in, hunched over in so much pain that they could barely move, and then it took a couple months, month and a half, and he's able to walk out the door and, and be as happy as a clam. So um, it's those things that keep me going. Um, so if you know people that that need help, you know, Prototype Health is the best place, and I'm I'm not biased at all. <laughs> um, we definitely want to help um, Charlotte live without limitations, live without pain, um, live without the fear that. You know they've got to take that drug or that medication for the rest of their life because of the chronic pain that they've been in so we want to be a we want to give hope to so many people that hey there's better options there's there's really really good options out there for your health and if you take advantage of them uh, they can save your life Um, but thank you guys so much for uh for listening Um, we kept it under 45 minutes which i promise i will always do is keep it under 45 minutes Um, But I love you guys. Uh, I look forward to next week. If you have questions, start thinking about them. Um, We have a couple slots open for next week's episode already that we're planning. Um, So get your questions ready and send them in to uh, drmikegetch at gmail.com and we'll be able to answer those. But until then, um, live your life without limitations and uh, have a great weekend.